Hey friends, quick plug before we start the show. On October 1st, I will be a guest on the live stream show 6 o'clock Dad Rock Talk over on the Stabbed Comedy Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Stabbed Comedy. The host and I will be discussing my favorite band of all time, Black Sabbath. The Stab Theater were kind enough to have me on their podcast festival in 2019, and I'm happy to be on one of their shows as they adapt to this whole COVID nightmare we're in. So, again, October 1st, twitch.tv slash Stabbed Comedy at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now, on to the show. folks welcome to episode 85 of the far beyond metal podcast i'm your host and guide on this metal journey daniel cordova in this episode ethan lee mccarthy from primitive man discusses his first band and i recommend the one-man instrumental project wax in hand before all that i welcome devin townsend back to the show i feel like on a show called far beyond metal devin townsend needs no introduction but just in case Devin is a prog metal icon who has fronted many bands with his name in the title, as well as Strapping Young Lad, Steve Vai, and others. On October 23rd, Devin Townsend is releasing the live album Order of Magnitude Empath Volume 1. He came on the show to talk about that live album, the tour around it, musicals, working on projects while in lockdown, and a lot more. So before we dive in with Devin, here are some of Genesis from the Order of Magnitude. How you doing? All right. How are you? I'm okay, man. Good to see you. Nice to see you as well. I, I appreciate we're getting the whole Twitch set up for our, our streams today. Our <laughs> it's chats. the only one I got, man. It's like uh, I wish I was uh, diligent enough to have separate feeds for each part of the joke. Oh, good. Pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, let me make some minor arrangements on my screen because sure, our beautiful faces are covering my questions. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Not that. So how's the how's the whole COVID thing treat you know, up in Vancouver? Like a baby treats a diaper. <laughs> I mean, it's the same as everywhere. I think uh, human arrogance wins out all the time. We were doing okay, and then everybody decided that it was summer, so now we're doing terribly. It's uh, you know, kids are back in school, and there's a lot of stress involved with that. The parents getting older, the division between people who all think they have the right answers. It's uh, one of these one of these things that, um, regardless of which side of the fence you're on, it it is this low humming sort of anxiety that that filters through every aspect of life that um, makes even the most mundane parts of one's job uh, a lot more difficult than it once was 
I find, although I've been very functional and very uh, productive, whenever I get a second to stop, like, you know, I'll be printing a mix or something, I just fall asleep. It's like I'll just sit in the chair and I'm just like out. <laughs> but overall, it's also, that whole statement is also compounded by this odd sense of, uh, oh, I'm doing okay. Yeah. So that's how I'm doing, buddy. Yeah. Did you get to do any uh, at-home teaching with, uh, with your kid, Bing? Did they do any at-home stuff? Because oh, here it's still going they, on. They, 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 they do, but I don't have time. You know, it's like, plus, um, you know, if kids are in their teens or young teens, specifically younger teens, which is where they're at, uh, the psychological ramifications of being isolated for six months uh are more damaging, you know, my fingers across if this is the right decision than uh, them participating in school at this point. But uh, who knows, man, it's like you're, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you do, don't at this point. So I'm sort of going on, going on feel. Now to you know, get off the eternal darkness we're all dealing with. Um, oh, it's okay. We're here. We're here to it chat about the is, right? uh, the Empath Volume One release, which uh, I've had a chance to to watch the video of, and I think it's a lot of fun. Um, and it, it reminded me that of how much I loved Casualties and seeing you with Shay performing all these songs was super cool. How is it bringing yeah. her on the road? Well, Shay's more than even a musical co-conspirator. Shay's a good friend of mine, and. Um, uh, she's been a lot of help to me over the years just because uh, she's she's laid back right and uh, I tend to not be so uh, uh, having somebody who's there to sort of field questions and things like that she's you know it was nice to have her along as a friend in fact after the tour is over she got married to the sound guy or the yeah yeah exactly who was uh, part of the tour right so and uh, I thought that was that was amazing. So having her along was 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 great, and I think it was really good for her too. Cool. And, <laughs> and one thing I I thought was cool about this tour or these these volume one tours anyway that you said is that you weren't playing the click tracks, none of the backing stuff. Uh, can we no. expect a jam band era in your future? Because that seems to be the vibe <laughs> of some of the moments in the Blu-ray at least. Well, I put some up online already. There's a there's a thing that I did with Morgan and Keneally and everything that we put up on YouTube. It was called um, the Mandonas. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> if you look on my YouTube channel, there is a 75 minute long freeform jazz fusion. How very fish of you. Well, it, it's uh, it's fishy at least. <laughs> Uh, and also in the DVD, like in the Blu-ray, it was just like a really fun thing. Like I, I've seen you a bunch of times. It's never like not fun, but there's a moment that I'm not going to spoil for listeners where you reprimand the crowd for messing up a, a vocal cue and you make <laughs> oh, them yeah, do yeah. something amazing and ridiculous so much so that I had to stop <laughs> it, get my wife, show her. And even she was like, oh, my God, what is going on? Uh, when did you first start making... I don't know, just having so much fun on stage in a way that's atypical of heavy metal. And like, did you feel well, like you had to or something? <laughs> well, I realized pretty quickly into my career that I was never going to be one of the cool guys. You know what I mean? Like it's a whole faction of the heavy metal scene that is either just like they're a cool band and people uh, sort of relegate them to that sort of mental 
space in their mind, or they're just viciously uncool and pretending to be cool, right? Fortunate that when I pretended, people could see through it. And the way that I came into this was, I was never part of the club that was that, right? So as a result of that, there's never been a huge hang-up for me about just doing shit. It's, it doesn't seem like it's, and in hindsight, I'll look at something like that, that section in the song or, you know, thing at Vakken where we had everybody hug each other or whatever. And there's this. Which is also this, amazing. But there's people that think I'm doing it like to be provocative or like it's premeditated or something, you know, oh, that's a, a cool thing to do. That's part of your shtick. And that's like, you know, that can be your thing now. And I'm just like, God, I just, it just kind of came out and that's what I was doing. And conversely, there's some shows that I do that it's just, I got nothing. You know, some days where you're speaking and you can form coherent sentences and it all flows and, you know, you're funny or articulate. And then other days you're just like, Duh. it's the exact same thing when you're being the front man for a band. You just, some days you're, you've got things to say and other days you're just vacant. And so when I've got things to say, I just kind of say it. And after having kids and after been doing this for so many years, I, I realized that the importance of music and the importance of like, uh, you know, adhering to some sort of um, image or, or whatever. It's just, it, does, it kind of pales in comparison to real life. Brought home now more than any time else other than this with the COVID thing. You know, I often think about actors right now where they've spent their whole year, all you know, being this focus of all the attention for people. And now people just like, no one cares. It's like, what is, you know, what does Selma Hayek think of, and everyone's like, dude, I, I got like I don't have enough shit to think about, you know, to, you know, have to integrate a very wealthy actors or musicians' um, perspective into my problems. It just doesn't make any sense. So, I'm rambling. Sorry. All good. Uh, you guys covered Disco Inferno a bunch on that tour. Are you a big disco or funk fan, or like how did that cover come about? Che loved it. <laughs> and I like it. I, I, you know, the only thing funky about me is my odor. Usually, though, I'm I don't have a lot of funk to me. But um, a lot of that, like Morgan's really funky drummer, and Che's got a great voice for that. And so it's like, you know, I'm happy to I'm happy to lumber along in my super middle class white Canadian male way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a tendency to talk about Prince on this show, so anytime it's like something in the even the greater area, I'm like very excited. So oh, no doubt. I mean it's it's such brilliant feel. And uh, I can understand the feel more so than I you know I'm funky but wearing a pair of boxing gloves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like oh yeah <laughs> Uh, I want to ask you about a small detail of the Volume 2 stream from maybe a week ago or whenever it was now. Uh, you had a sure. paper heart on your shirt. Is there any significance or what was the significance of said heart? On the actual stream, I had a, uh, uh, I had painted one on and I forgot my shirt. So I wanted to, the intention was to look like I was wearing the same thing. So I just uh, read Duo Tang and cut out a heart and put it on there. Um, but having it being a paper heart, I'm sure we could draw some sort of uh, analogy there. I think um, my original idea of having the heart on the shirt in the stream is because revisiting the strapping material that I did in that uh, show, uh, it was important for me to do it with 
a sense of, of honor and reverence for that period of my life without sort of having to modify where I, where I found myself now and where I am now is dude. It's like, I'm not a hateful cat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I saw a, a handful of strapping songs on today. Well, as of this recording, today's like survey for the next stream. Uh, are there any yeah. songs on there that you're kind of hoping get chosen and why are they triumph? I'm hoping the ones that get chosen are the ones that I've already got backing tracks for. Because... Uh, I, I did think about that your first one because you said you had to redo them all completely. Or maybe oh, second God. one or something. So people are like, we really want to hear Texas. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I have the hard drive for that anymore. It's like, it's a nightmare to play. So I kept trying to downplay some of the stuff like Triumph and all this. But of course, those are the ones that people really hear. So yeah my vote. i think the songs that i would the songs that i would want to hear would be the four chord ones that i've already got drums recorded for but chances are not looking good in that uh in that realm good stuff is that one going to be like the uh, three where it was just you it's going to be no no not really oh. it's uh i got i well see each one that goes by i've got an idea for and um I find the challenge of seeing if we can pull it off, like really exciting. And this one, I've got an idea that is maybe not as um, slick as the last one, but uh, I Are think you it's going to be in a barn and because of space this time. <laughs> just all of us in space. Well, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, although I'd love to, because I think it's going to be funny, but uh, I'll hold on to it for now, but it's not just me playing. Right. But um, uh, uh, it also is. And it's like, um, I would like to think that for this next one, we could have it more inclusive with the audience. Like we could do like a costume competition, you know, people could send photos and then we can check them online and, and have that as part of the show. So we can kind of have like a, like a real shitty Halloween party that everybody's <laughs> invited to. <laughs> I saw it's on Halloween. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You could do like, a, I don't know if you at all, at all a wrestling fan, but WWE has just installed a wall of like screens where their fans are watching. And then they like, wrestle in front of it it's really oh, that's bizarre cool. but it's also kind of cool well what, what i'm thinking is that i'll green screen it again but i've got a bunch of people that i work with that are really cool with doing things on the fly so what we could do is is have the band play the stuff um and then uh uh and then take requests for what we're playing. Like maybe we'll be in space, maybe we'll be in a barn, maybe a bunch of chickens, maybe it'll be a bunch of pumpkins or whatever. Uh, but, you know, we'll all be in costumes as well. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's basically the whole idea of this is an unprecedented time of anxiety and kerfuckery. And so if I can provide a couple of hours that are a little less... Uh, a little less dour then i'm happy to do so it's good for me too i enjoy it cool uh it, it kind of leads into my next question which you've also sort of touched on already I, i've seen you just like a problematic amount of times over the years and uh you always <laughs> it's it's ridiculous i've seen you both in san francisco and sacramento two different times because i was like well dev's in town oh dev's in town over there too guess i gotta do it um <laughs> thank you of course anyway um you you on stage have like kind of a, a torn feeling about touring you're very grateful for the crowd being there but you also at one show I, I went to said the day before you went home for your son's birthday and flew back immediately oh, and dude. you hated life Brutal. so like Brutal. has part of this being at home and keeping busy thing been kind of an odd blessing uh-huh cool. absolutely <laughs> 
but it's also it's also you know it's not as simple as hey i'm at home and it's a blessing it's like hey you're at home it's a blessing and <laughs> there's a pandemic and there's your your job has needs to be changed dramatically and quickly and uh you've got aging parents and they're scared and the kids with school it's like so it's this weird blessing that is compounded by a type of anxiety that I could live without, to be fair. That was a bit of why from Devin Townsend's latest record, Empath. I'll have more with Devin shortly, but first, this is my first band. Every musician has a start somewhere, and this episode, Ethan Lee McCarthy from Primitive Man discusses his heavy origins. I can't remember what we were called. Oh, wait, I think we were called Livid. And uh, I was 14, and we really liked Cannibal Corpse and shit. And our You've just always been heavy, huh? Oh, yeah, I've been listening to heavy music since I was probably like four years old. Okay. Um, I had an older brother and all this, so that helps. And then I just kind of always liked it, you know. Um, and then when he got into playing not heavy music, I just continued to go down the heavy path. And now he could give a shit less about it. And I'm trying to get heavier every day. So, um, and we were called Livid. And we were like kind of a death metal band, but we were playing Deicide uh, and Sepultura covers. And uh, we had our only original song that I can remember was called Hung on a Stick to Die. <laughs> a 14-year-old kid hung on a stick to die. Damn. Yeah, well, and the best part was that we were practicing in the drummer's house and his dad was a, was a cop. And uh, it was just, they hated me so much. <laughs> <laughs> they just thought I was just going to fucking drag their son into the pit but he ended up growing up joining the military and then becoming a cop in the hometown so hey hey some things don't surprise you yeah uh could you listen to said band now and not cringe oh no it's fucking horrid <laughs> so bad D- damn no i don't feel like i was in a good band for a lot of my career <laughs> it took a long time it took a long time for me to figure out you know you know how it is you just, yeah. just gotta keep growing like i mean i didn't but i you know i played in bad bands all the way up until you know my early 20s and then the, the band i was in the longest the longest should have been like four bands but we just kind of kept changing our sound and sticking with it by Primitive Man is out now. You can pick up a copy over at primitivemandoom.bandcamp.com and follow the band at facebook.com slash primitivemandoom. Now before I wrap my conversation with Devin Townsend, here is some of Deadhead from the Devin Townsend Band album, Accelerated Evolution. (laughs) 
uh, I've enjoyed your podcast that you've been doing, and in doing so, you've answered a bunch of questions I would have had about specific songs. How has revisiting in this way like changed how you see certain eras or parts or songs or something? I think I wouldn't have revisited them had I not made peace with them by this point. And I think that the functionalist podcast is less to be like I'm trying to be cathartic with it and get it out of my system and more just trying to articulate what I've surmised from it. You know, it's been so many years of of analyzing my motivations for re- reasons I, I think are important to me creatively. Uh, you know, the way that I'm wired requires me to do that or else it just it kind of messes with me, right? So it was sorted out before I started them. And then once I started them, it's now just a matter of trying to remember. Mm-hmm. Is the next, because you just did the new Black uh, as of this recording again. Um, yeah. The next era is leads to Ziltoy and then goes DTP and stuff. Is that stuff going to be like, I don't know, maybe easier to approach than how, I don't know, conflicted and messed up you seem doing Alien? Well, I think that um, my reasons for for expressing, you know, both with Infinity and Alien, how messed up and conflicted I was, is not because I still participate in that feeling, but just because that was exactly why that occurred. And now that I'm getting into the Ziltoid and and the more latter-day stuff, uh, without having expressed that at the time, this stuff wouldn't have the conclusion that I'm looking for. Because the whole trajectory of my career is inclusive of, of it all. Like, the, the record that I'm working right now is a result of all of that. And so when the Lightwork project comes out, whatever it is that it's called right now, um, it will, for people who really pay attention, will be like, oh, this makes perfect sense. Of course it's that. You know, it's not like uh, I'll put out something and people are like, wow, listen to those podcasts i have no idea what happened why did it take that turn it's like yeah of course so i get to the empath thing it, it'll be very clear that the reason why there's these opposing sort of dynamics on that record is because that was the first record that I chose to put all of that together like up to that point the idea of combining something from synchestra and something with alien would have been absurd to me but by the time i got to empath after i'd worked through all that stuff that was the next step in the in on the ladder, and so when it gets to, to light work, it, it's it's the next step from empath. So it'll be very different from empath, but very clearly uh, in line with that story. Since the beginning of the work, man, I've always held to the idea that the work is a byproduct of a process, and the process is like one thing. It's been the same objective that I've had since the very beginning. It's just I had to work through some of my own delusions to get to where I am now. All right. Uh, I can, this next question I can thank my wife for because she kind of has opened my eyes to (laughs) sort of a whole new world that I was uh, oblivious to that I am now more in tune to in your music. You sprinkle in a lot of musical references. The ones that pop to mind are in the live Z2 Royal Albert thing. There's a moment when Ziltoid's singing Memory from Cats. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and then of I course <laughs> there's the song christine which references phantom heavily and then i've seen videos of you performing yeah. a song from lay miz what yeah. drew you to musicals and like were you just always a musical dork did you musicals in high school i don't remember that from your book <laughs> it wasn't high school it was when i was a kid you know maybe eight years old 
Uh, now, I admit, when I see musicals, they, just, they make my bum holes shrivel up, man. They're like, it's really cringy. So you have not seen Cats, the recent No. I, I, I saw it when I was maybe 15, you know? But the reason why it was so appealing to me at the time, other than the fact that I was inundated with it from my parents, you know, Phantom of the Opera. Well, it wasn't even Phantom. It was Jesus Christ Superstar, Paint Your Wagon, West Side Story. You know, those kind of things uh, were, it was playing constantly cabaret. It was such a huge part of my upbringing. And it was a great way for me to learn chops musically because they're broad strokes of emotion and they have a visual counterpart. So as a young mind trying to learn how to articulate a certain emotion, like if it's um, anger, sadness, fear, or what have you, have these um, to have these shows, these musicals, be like, this is what happy looks and sounds like. This is what angry looks and sounds like. This is what despair looks and sounds like. I learned a lot of how modes work, how certain intervals work, how dissonance works, how consonant works, just by having a visual counterpart. And it was really easy for me to understand as a kid. So when I finally started writing my music, I would often go back to musicals when I was trying to figure out a way to express something particular. Cool. And then my last question, uh, I asked you a version of this about 10 years ago, the first time I interviewed you. And I'm a little <laughs> early for this, but it makes sense. I asked you that, so you're nearing 40, how's that working out for you? So now you're nearing 50, how's that working out for yeah. you? As a heavy metal guy, as a as a dad, as a human, like how, how is it just a I'm number? Doing great, man. Cool. No, man, I'm doing great. Oh, I mean, it's it's just a number, but it's an old number, right? I mean, I um, I'm better than I've ever been. Fantastic. And I'm actually healthier than I've ever been. I'm strangely more in shape than I've ever been. I'm psychologically stronger than I've ever been. Um, there's certain things, of course, that come with age that, that uh, you know, I didn't anticipate. Like uh, the amount of times where I just don't want to hear music now is pretty intense. <laughs> but uh, but overall, I uh, it's, a, it's a tired platitude, man, but I'm incredibly grateful cool. for everything. Well, thank you for coming back on the show. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, You too, brother. It's good to see you again, man. Of course. And uh, I love the new live album. I've got my fancy pre-order coming. I'm very much looking forward to it. So I really appreciate the support, brother. And the fact that you've been supporting for so long uh, is not lost on me, man. So of course, good luck to you and your wife. <laughs> yeah, good, good luck to you and your wife during this time, man. I'm, I can't imagine it's any it's confusing where you are than it is here. So. Godspeed, brother. All right, farewell.
Order of Magnitude Empath Volume 1 will be out on October 23rd via Century Media Records. Head to centurymedia.store to pre-order a copy or to devintownsend.com for all things Devin. Then as we mentioned, Devin has his own podcast, the aptly titled Devin Townsend Podcast. You can find it everywhere that podcasts grow. Now to wrap this episode, I am recommending the very, very new one-man metal outfit, Wax in Hand. Wax in Hand is the project of Sacramento musician Vinny Gadara. While in COVID-19 lockdown, Vinny decided to use his time to get heavy, and this album is the result. The debut self-titled album will be released independently on October 23rd. From said album, here is Frightful Maw in its entirety. Waxen Hand's debut self-titled album will be out on October 23rd. You can pre-order a copy now over at waxenhand.bandcamp.com, then follow the band at facebook.com slash waxenhand. That will do it for this episode. If you would like to get in contact with me, you could head to farbandmetalpodcast.com. There you can find Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good shit. If you're in a band and you would like to be featured as a recommendation in this show, that's where you can go. Head to the contact area. Then, of course, the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.